In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So this movie that we're talking about this week is kind of our transition out of the Halloween season, not quite yet into the Christmas season. Um, This is my favorite Christmas movie. What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, We did do part of this franchise as a Christmas movie some years ago. Um, Did? We did. Uh, But... The thing that I was thinking about when watching this movie, particularly like kind of in the final climax scene, which is quite mm, famous, uh, is... I hope you're not going to talk about the one thing I'm thinking about. I, there's, there's so many things that happen in that climax scene, I'm not yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> but okay. the thing I was thinking about uh, was... How do I put this? Can women also do toxic masculinity? Oh, yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, I mean, I I did genuinely like this movie. And the star of it is known as, like, the queen of sci-fi. And, um, and I really like her as an actor. And do you think her character is, like, got toxic masculinity? I wondered that price primarily about like her one of her final closing lines, which is oh, like I can't remember what it was. Get away from her, you bitch. It's like famous, famous. famous. Oh, I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I did that's think like, in the moment what I did think about it was how does she know that is a woman? And well, because it's the it was the mom of them all. It was laying. Oh, okay, I maybe. Did. Oh, maybe I didn't miss that because, okay, well, we'll get into it. Lots of goo, <laughs> I lots know. of stuff I don't like in this I movie. I know, I know. I was kind of excited about it because I was like, we haven't had some good goo oh, in a so while. so much alien goo. There's so <laughs> much alien goo and, like, milky white guts. Yes. I don't like it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay, so her last line is, what is it? Stay away from her, you bitch. Or get away from her, you bitch. I don't think it's her fully last it. line, but it's one of the last ones. And it's famous. I it's like one of the most famous line. lines of an action movie and of any movie, to be honest. Really? Like, yeah. And I know that, that because last night I went to this um, exhibition at like an art gallery in the city. And it w- the exhibition was called Goddess. And it was about all like kind of famous um, Hollywood women and had some of their costumes and some of like you know sketches of what they were wearing and photographs and magazines it was a really cool exhibit but they also had like a multimedia 
kind of thing that would like play alongside some of the costumes that they were showing. And that okay. particular line was pl- pulled out oh, for one of funny. the displays. Oh, that's funny. Now, okay, so in your opinion, you think that that's like misogynistic because she's calling her a bitch? Yeah, I, like, because in fact, what it reminded me of is a similar line in Harry Potter franchise where. Um, I would love it if they called someone a bitch in Harry Potter. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. In, yes, in like the number seven part two, I want to oh. say. Where That's they like go back, eight, but yeah, technically yes, but um, <laughs> uh, but like it's when they go back to have a big battle at Hogwarts, and who gets called a bitch? Um, Helena Bonham Carter. Okay, well, she is kind of a bitch, though. That's the thing. In like, the movie, yeah. I mean, maybe in real life. I don't know. I'm not personally. Oh, I'm in the movie. I'm in the movie. I'm in the movie, but maybe in real life too. Here's the but thing, so, I guess. Because it's like, it's actually, I now see that it's actually, it's probably meant to riff on this line because oh, she's like about to attack the redheaded woman's daughter. Mm. Mm. And redheaded woman is like, says a similar thing, like, not my daughter, you bitch or something. And oh, okay, it's like, okay. boom. And then she dies. Um, so. No, I guess I... I'm personally not offended by that word, and I kind of like that word. So for me, it's just kind of fun um, and adds a little flavor. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess... I see how it's more charged for other people. Yes. I guess what I'll say is bitch is absolutely like the B word for women in a sense. Like women can say it. I don't think men yeah. should really under under any circumstance. Um, like mm-hmm. even in a mild descriptive way, I'm like, no, nah, man, that's not for you What's to that? say. Like, okay. Well, like I would about- actually prefer a man to call a woman an asshole. And I'd be like, yeah, that's fair. That's gender neutral. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, oh yes. I think it definitely is a word where like intent and, um, definitely who says it and how and the context I think all of that does make a big difference if someone if a man says to a woman like you are such a bitch like yeah that's right right. that feels like targeted um but like there's something about hearing this woman who's like such an icon and is like being so strong and she's the hero of the movie and like all this mm -hmm. stuff and then to have her be like Stay away from her, you bitch. I'm like, that's like that's a man's line. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, I mean I don't it's know. a little bit it's it's a little bit weird, I guess, if you think about it like that. But I feel like the line does need I wonder if it's something where it's like it does need a little bit of a punch up from just like stay away from her, right? So Right. Oh, absolutely. Or like I don't know. I have no like alternative options to throw out there. I know. Well, no. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> what's what's the other line? No, because I think it needs a swear or like some type of yeah. expletive, like yeah. exclamation point. But at the same, what is this movie rated? That's is a good it question. R? Let me let me take because a if quick look. See. Because even like asshole, it's R. Quite get, yeah, it's okay. R. So they could and say fuck, sure if, or they could say. Like, I think they do. I was just gonna say I don't remember them saying fuck very. They often. They do say fuck, actually. But they do, I'm sure they, they must. 
They do, because Bill Paxton says it about four times. Like, he's okay. like, motherfucker. Because he freaks, yeah. Well, he also freaks out a lot in this movie. Yeah. So. He kind of cracked me up. There's a couple times where I was like, whoa, dude, you need to chill. Um, but, yeah, I I do like that line, but I see your point, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only, like, of course I know that women can be affected by the patriarchy and then can say terrible things to other women. I know that. What I'm, I'm guess what I was interested in is like thinking about if, and, and this is, I think a good segue into talking about the movie as a whole. And maybe because we're trying to not talk for 80 million hours about this movie, (laughs) this can maybe be the setup question that we go into it with, which is like, in this movie, do we think that the main character could have been played just as easily by a man? Or did they actually, did the writers actually think about, like, does the story need to be different because it's a woman as the center of the action film? You know what I mean? That's kind well, of what I'm wondering. Okay, do you want me to answer? I don't have an answer, but I have a thought. Okay, say the thought. Oh, well, first of all, Welcome to see you next, <laughs> next week in space. Uh, I always handle this transition beautifully. Uh, I, I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, say what movie we're talking about, and then say your thought. Okay. So we're talking about Aliens with an S from 1986. Um, and my thought was, well, twofold. One, I didn't know why this movie had to happen, just as, like, I I feel like it's one of those movies where, like, they, like, created a problem that wasn't there to begin with, mm. and then they were, like, surprised that the problem ha- was happening. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, two, second part is about the womanhood at the center. It seemed like they were really leaning into her as a protector of that child. Yes, absolutely. And I Which don't I think, think absolutely that translates as yes. much with a man. Yes, I think you're right in that sense. There's a very, well, because it's like mother and mother kind yes, of yes. vibes going yes. on at the end. And that's um, why it's okay she called her a bitch. Because I guess. two mothers can call another. Uh, one mother. Th- this is the law of the word bitch. If you are a mother and you say it to another mother, it cancels it out and makes it okay. Well, first of all, you've got to say it right. If you're a mother and you call another mother a bitch, then you are just protecting your own kid and it's absolutely fine. That's, yeah. that's like the voice that has to say the, that whole vibe. It's true. It's like tiger moms. But absolutely. like... Yeah, so that those are my thoughts. Yeah. So, okay, let's dive into this movie because I have seen this before of my own volition, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And I will just up top say I enjoyed it. Did I think it was too long? Sure. But I still enjoyed it. Um, but let's kick off. And I think some of this question that you also asked about, like, why is this existing and what is the issue, <laughs> might get... Uh, slight, slightly clarified by the um, research that I did. So, okay, the IMDb, IMDb description of aliens is decades after surviving the Nostromo incident. That's alien movie. Yeah, 
Ellen Ripley is sent out to reestablish contact with a terraforming colony, but finds herself battling the alien queen and her offspring. I guess I don't know what a terraforming colony is. Okay. So Uh this is, no, it's not a long explanation. And it's good because it helps (laughs) us talk about the movie and hopefully we'll like move things along when we get to it. Okay. So terraforming is at the moment a primarily theoretical sort of set of principles and possible scientific ideas. And the goal is that, or the, the premise is that Eventually, when space travel becomes more possible for human beings um, and we start to want to go to other planets, one of the things potentially that we could do is because the likelihood of finding another planet that has all of the same kind of like um, environmental factors as Earth does, that's quite low possibility, low percentage. Mm -hmm. But terraforming is like a series of different um, geological and environmental interventions that we could do to a planet to make it become habitable and similar to Earth. That's what terraforming Mm -hmm. is. So this movie is based around the decision that's actually made between Alien original and Aliens The Mm -hmm. planet that the team from Alien lands on and and from which all of that movie's kerfuffle emerges. Mm -hmm. Because no one seemingly, until Ripley wakes up in 57 years later. Right. No one from the company that the original team worked for knows that the planet that they landed on had this alien creature. Okay. And in the original Alien, one of the things that we see is that this planet has a bunch of eggs on it. Oh. Is that the end? They show a bunch of eggs? or like I can't a- remember, but at some point it's we see that there's this big nest of eggs on this planet yeah. It's and whatever. But because basically from the company's perspective, no one survives that mission. Mm-hmm. The company sends out a new set of people to start terraforming this planet because um, to do terraforming ethically, you can only do it on a planet where there is no indigenous life. Like you're taking a dead planet Uh, and bringing it to life. So, and this is one of the things that when Ripley is woken up and she has that like tribunal, they're talking about this. Yeah. Okay. So, so essentially what I'm hearing though, I don't maybe didn't understand was that the premise of movie two is the exact same premise as movie one. <laughs> kind of, yes. Okay. Kind of. That yes. makes me feel better because there were moments where I was like, I've watched this before. Like, yes. I was like, is this not, like I knew it wasn't the first one. I knew I was watching the right thing. But like, because I knew her hair was different, la la la. But I was like, this is the same movie. <laughs> It is, I was it like, is, and we've got an yes. android guy again yeah. who turns milky. Like, I yeah. feel like I am yeah. having deja vu. Yes, it's it's absolutely one of those movies where, like, we're going to take the, the beats of the first one and the things yeah. that people liked, and we're going to, like, do that because also people have been waiting for this sequel, so, like, they're keen to see some references to the previous. But yeah. also, like, so I would actually say... 
to my mind. Alien is a much more slow-moving, much more kind of suspense movie. Yeah. mm -hmm. And Alien... This one is definitely much more like in your face. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely much more in your face. I definitely thought they were stupid a lot of the time. Um, There was a lot of crawling in very small spaces. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's just talk a little bit about kind of the ins and outs of this because I think it will also speak to this kind of like there's alien and there's aliens. And while they are Mm -hmm. the same, they are also quite different in their (laughs) kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, So first of all, uh, Alien... from 1979, was a big hit. And so there was a talk of a sequel relatively soon after. However, 20th Century Fox, which was the studio that had produced Alien, was very not interested in doing a sequel. In fact, most of the executives at 20th Century Fox believed that Alien's success, and I mean Alien apostrophe S, um, was just kind of a fluke thing. Um, and that the budget that would be necessitated for a sequel would be too kind of prohibitively expensive. And so they're like, we're not interested in doing a sequel because a sequel is going to, like, we liked the original because that cost $12 million. We're not doing a sequel, which is going to cost more. Um, and they also specifically were like, And this is kind of interesting because I wouldn't call Alien a horror movie and I would only barely call Aliens a horror movie. Um, Yeah. But but the executives at 20th Century Fox were like, well, it's like by now it's the early 80s-ish. And they're like, Mm -hmm. well, the sales for horror films are going down anyway. So why do Uh, we want to do this? Like... Yeah, I would definitely um, not call it a horror film because I was never really scared. I was grossed out a number of times. Yeah. But not really scared. I do. I mean, I see why it's a horror film. I think much, I, I feel like maybe we've talked about this, but like to me, replace the xenomorph with Jason and then it's a horror, you know, like it's it's well, effectively the same thing. Like it's it, just something that won't yes. die. It's creeping up on you. It's picking people yeah. off one by one. You that know. is true. But there is something about it not being a knife wielding man <laughs> that makes it different. But yeah, but you're right. I just found it, it again. Like I found it to be more gross than scary. Fair like, enough. When that fucking th- when that fucking thing is like. Oh, I hated the way that thing looked. I know. I agree. Um, I mean, I hated it, but I loved it. Like, I loved to hate it. Oh, it it was so grody. Like, when they're under the table and it's, like, little, like, oh, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, further contributing to 20th Century Fox's kind of feelings about the potential economics of this all, and I think part of the reason why I want to talk about this is because of the ongoing strikes that have been happening um, in Hollywood because, and also it resonates with my own life because we're going into another strike at my university. And all I can say is people at the top of every industry are the most disgusting garbage ass people amongst humanity. And all they agree. 
And all they want to do is keep making money. And then I'm like, but where does the money go? Who gets it? Where, like, what are we, why are, are we all just sitting the on a pile is of- in their own pockets. Well, yeah, to some degree, but I'm like, so the figures in this are so strikingly huge. I'm like, are 12 people splitting up 80 bajillion dollars? Like, is that really <laughs> how this is going? Like, I, I mean, my, my mind boggles at it. But so here's the, here's like the brass tacks of it all. So this is a direct quote from Wikipedia. Okay. Part of the reason why Fox doesn't want to do, uh, this is me saying it, part of the reason Fox doesn't want to do this is because, quote, using Hollywood accounting methods, Fox had declared Alien a financial loss despite its earnings of over $100 million against a 9 to $11 million budget. Um, and Brandywine, which was the production company that made Alien Original, Brandywine's lawsuit was settled by early 1983, which basically resulted in Fox being obliged to finance the development of Aliens. Um, but the kicker was it wasn't required to actually distribute the film. So they had to make it, but they didn't have to send it anywhere. Weird. Yeah. Now, I, this I would really down, like to know the math of... I, well, I, like, yep. So this put me down a rabbit hole because as you'll see in the outline, Hollywood accounting is its own link in Wikipedia. And so yikes. then I followed to that. Okay. And it turns out... This it's is a link wild. to like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, it's so studios and production companies have all of these various ways to hide money, to pay mm. themselves through shell companies. So money just mm. cycles back into this basically in the same originating pool. Mm. Um, and so Quite often, some of the movies that we all know are like massive hits because like everyone's seen it, everyone knows, blah, 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 blah. Um, Studios will actually report those as financial losses for themselves. Um, That's wild. And this is primarily like one, I mean, I think ultimately it's about tax fraud, probably. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And... So anyway, this is like a, a well-known practice. Hollywood studios are very tight. Um, when people involved in productions seek out um, more monies, they usually get something because hmm. um, the studios prefer to settle out of court yeah. than to ever actually publicly Admit. put on yeah. record what they do with mm. their money and where it goes. Mm-mm-mm. Um, and I, so, I tell you, you know, oh God, I could get into a whole rant that has nothing to do with this movie, but, um, that is insane. Yeah. And I have another question that's not about the money. So is sometimes this movie called Alien 2 and sometimes it's called Aliens? Or is I think that just a it, distinction to like... I think probably it was called Alien 2 maybe while it was being developed and was in production, oh, okay. but then eventually... Like it is aliens. It is 
It is the second alien film, but it is not called it's Alien. It's a little confusing. Two. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like, especially as you can see, the way that we've had to say it multiple times, like you have to really like drive home Hit that, that you're not saying <laughs> just alien. I feel yeah. like Alien Two actually would probably have been a better choice for a name. I mean, I kind of like the cleverness of it because it, it like original alien really is basically about one entity oh, in the spaceship. Okay. And that's the whole okay. point. It's like this is like a whole nest of them that they've found. That is gross. I don't like that. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But still, it makes you have to say it like very sp- A million very- times, yes. <laughs> yeah. Emphatically is what yeah, you have exactly. to do. Um, so we have your favorite man, James Cameron, writing and mm. directing this. Um, and this is also a bit of a change up and speaks to kind of thinking about alien and aliens as quite separate films, even though they're part of the same franchise. So Mm -hmm. the previous one, Ridley Scott uh, directed, he was not asked to direct this one. Um, And if I remember correctly, that was because he was kind of a pill um, (laughs) and hard to work with, but it turns out James Cameron was also a pill and hard to Mm. work with. Um, Specifically, Cameron didn't hire very many crew who had worked on the previous alien movie because they wanted he wanted them to be loyal to his vision like he didn't want anyone to disrupt his kind of train Mm. um similarly for whatever reason i guess again going back to the money i hate people so much i'm just gonna say that i know um going back to like kind of this issue of like where does the money go and what's going on Aliens was also filmed in England because at the time that was like a a relatively cheaper place to film. Um, And that decision, I guess it must have been a studio decision to do that. And Mm. it ultimately drove Cameron crazy because um, as we know, like as I just said, uh, the workers in Hollywood are unionized as well, but I don't think the unions are as strong because what Cameron really hated about working in England was that all of the various crew members were part of a union, and so they would be like, our work day, I mean, I don't know precisely, mm-hmm. our work day is from 9 to 5, It's yeah. and you have X amount of like overage time, presumably, where like, yeah. you know, if something goes wrong, we'll stay till 6 or whatever. Sure. Um, and then, that, then I'm out. Goodbye. I put yep. down my camera. I leave. Like, yeah. Um, and then that similarly, sounds like something a lot of directors, especially in the U.S., would be like, you should be so fucking happy to have this job, you fuckface. Yeah. Like, and you're going to work um, from whatever time until I, I say, say to whatever time yes. I say, and I get yes. my shot the way I want it, yes. and you just get your ass back behind that camera. Exactly. And yeah. so he didn't care for that, and he especially didn't care for the fact that in this, like, working unionized environment, they actually had, like, break times where they were like, and now we go and have tea. <sighs> For like yeah. twenty minutes or whatever it is. Oh, I love it. Oh God, I really I know. like. I've never been part of a. Well, no, I've never been part of a union, but I love them for shit like that because it really. And the funny thing is, directors are in a union too, but right. like they don't. I've seen it in theater very much so, where directors are like little dictators. Very peeved. Yeah, very peeved that people have to take like five minute breaks, as if that's gonna yeah. like ruin everything. Yeah, no, it's, um, 
No, like, again, I've been much more active in my union lately, and it's because, like, it's weirdly, like, unions have never been less powerful in the world than they are right now, honestly. Mm. But, because, like, most of their power has been, like, leached away over decades. But at the same time, people are now more like, give me my protections, give me my shit. Like, you know, this, if you've, if you've given me an inch, I'll take it because you aren't going to let me take it unless I force you to, you know, like that sort of thing. And I mean, it's funny too, because Hollywood, because it has some of the stronger unions that exist in the U S there's plenty of stuff on sets where like people joke about it. It's like, there's a man sitting in a lawn chair next to a truck and you're like, hey, man, like, what are you here for? And he's like, I'm here to sit on this chair and make sure that truck doesn't go anywhere. And you're like, that's <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing all day? Like, and he's like, yeah. I mean. And then he's like, and break time. So I fucking love it. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Ya. We were talking about career changes before this. I might need to look up how to get that job. That sounds amazing. Yes. Um, Absolutely. That Get actually literally it. sounds amazing. Um, but but the tr- but yeah, and like the thing that people gripe about in unions is is stuff like that. Obviously, although I love that. Um, and like, oh, I know. Again, in theater is like uh, where I have more knowledge. But like, if you are on such and such contract like you don't touch the floor that is only meant to be done by these people and like Correct. you can't you know yes. what I mean like it's very yes. very regimented yes. and yeah. that's something that a lot of like boss types quote unquote don't Hate. like because it, they yeah. want to be like you do whatever I say when I say it and like you're just being lazy and it's like no that's literally not my job yeah you know yeah like I don't yeah. know yeah 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 um, I need to work in a union job. I'm not realizing. No, I think you should. I absolutely think, because I already pictured you sitting in a sunny lawn chair reading a magazine. God, I fucking need that job. Like, what is that job called? What is, like, <laughs> where can you look it up? You need to become a teamster is what you need. <sighs> Can I, do you think I can? I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I have no idea how the job works. Or do I have to, no, okay, wait, wait, okay. Big question and problem. Do I have to then drive the truck? Because that would preclude Maybe. Me you maybe have that to drive a truck. A you maybe have to lift something heavy. I don't know. The lifting something heavy I could work out, I feel like. But you could get it depends there. on how heavy. I might be able to yeah. get there. The driving of a truck is definitely like that would a, be a roadblock stumbling for me. block for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially if we're talking like an 18 wheeler. Like that ain't gonna happen. I don't people know. People are gonna die. But you might only have to like back it up and drive it Ooh, forward. People like, might die though. <laughs> like truly. Like true. if I had to back yeah, up yeah, an 18 wheeler, like I feel like there might be some lawsuits coming. Um, Fair enough. Don't, but don't damn, say that the, when you're looking for your job. Right. I'll just hide that part. I'll be like, but I'm <laughs> real good at sitting in a chair. Like, you will never believe how good I'm, I am at that. Yeah. Um, so, similarly, like, so this, this movie, in a sense, shouldn't have happened because the studio didn't want to do it. They didn't want to spend the money. Um, Cameron was a nightmare. Similarly, yeah. in the production process, uh, Sigourney Weaver... The studio didn't want to hire her because they thought she would ask for more money, which, of course, she did. These um, people all suck so hard. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, 
How do you want to make fucking movies then if you're not going to spend any money? (laughs) Here's the thing. You know, like, it makes me mad on a lot of levels. And, like, as someone who's not, like, a struggling writer or, like, a screenwriter or something like that, this makes me, like, super mad for people like that because they're out there, like, hustling, writing their scripts, like, trying to get shit made, like, really, like believing in the craft of it all. Yeah. And you've yep. got these bitch-ass motherfuckers being like, I don't want to pay anybody to make my right. dumb movie. No, it's, like... Yeah, they're like, maybe, surely, there's someone who's even more desperate who we can pay even less to yeah. give us a screenplay or to Ick. do a production assistant job or whatever Yeah, I hate thing. it. I know. It's, it's so really gross. gross. Yeah. And... She did, in the end, uh, get <laughs> a good amount of money. She got paid a million dollars for this, um, which was the highest uh, pay she had gotten of her career to that point. Um, but in I feel like that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's really, and especially for uh, an actress, that's really yeah. good. Um, intriguingly, she also had to be convinced, and I don't know who did the convincing. Uh, that this wasn't just a cash grab, um, <laughs> which is ironic because probably the studio said, oh, we don't think this is a cash grab. We, we're, we're making no money off this. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, we Very don't weird. want to do this. We're being legally so weird to do it. Um, so she was like, once she felt, I guess, that it was genuinely its own story and had a reason to exist of its own volition, she... And she got her money. She signed on. Um, And that was good that she did because she was nominated for a Best Actress Oscar for this role. So interesting. Um, Which is really wild considering that, like, you know, in 1986, a sci-fi movie was not taken seriously in any capacity. Yeah. Um, And the fact that she was up for Best Actress that year is, like, really good. Yeah, well, it also, like, I would say it it definitely is sci-fi-like because they're, like, in a ship and doing a lot of, like, weird space problems and stuff like that. But it is also, as you say, like, quite action-y. And, I mean, I guess action yeah. movies don't really get nominated for stuff either. That's right. But yeah. Yeah, that, I, good for her. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I thought she was good. I'm not sure, like, I would particularly nominate her for this but, like, she was good. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, this was a really Just that one line. Maybe it was all just from, the, <laughs> like, stay away from her, you bitch. Well, no, I mean, that's also something, like, the character arc here for her is interesting. Because when she starts out, she's, like, deeply traumatized. And yeah. she remains so. But, like, you know, she jumps into this, like, kind of role of, like commander and mom like despite you know that so um yeah I thought it was a really good performance on her part Mm -hmm. um all of this is to say as troubled as the the road to get there was according to wikipedia this is a direct quote this movie is considered among the best science fiction action and sequel films ever made Arguably equal to or better than Alien. Uh, okay. Now, I feel like Godfather Part 2 might have something to say about that. I know it's not uh, 
sci-fi or all of the other stuff, right. but, like, sequel. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know that this movie and Godfather 2 and maybe a handful of others are some of the few contenders where people are like, is the, the second sequel is better? better? It's certainly equal. Like, to me, I would say I'm comfortable saying Alien and Aliens are equally good. Like, that I have no problem well, saying. Well, they're equal because they're, like, the same story. Like, they're equal because yeah. it's, like, the same ass shit happens. No, I mean, I get the distinction, but... Well, that's, like, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 legitimately are the same movie. <laughs> like, okay, well, I've never seen either of those. That's surprising. Is it, I'm like... I'm surprised I thought, you've not seen that. Well, is it... that? Is it zombie? Is it... Uh, kind of. I can't remember now. I watched that in like a Halloween, pandemic Halloween uh, haze. So I can't totally remember. I guess, Um, I I guess that like the sound of it sounds like to me, like, um. I think it's a zombie-ish thing. Okay. But it's not, but it's not like modern day zombies. It's like from the 70s. So it's like a little more fun. I feel like there's also like, like it's more supernaturally sort of. I guess maybe I... It, just from the sound of it, I would lump it in with something like Silent Hill, which feels like a video game, and that's not interesting to me. Um, but maybe I'm thinking of a, the wrong thing. Maybe I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I think you might enjoy both, actually. Because, most, but it is yeah, genuinely like, oh, it's one the movie, same movie, and then it's basically the same movie. <laughs> well, I mean, and if you think about a lot of horror movies and horror franchises, like, that's kind of what they are. Like, they... Yeah. So this movie works in that sense because it's like the same stuff is in a horror movie. The same stuff is happening. We're just usually maybe shifting the like just different location. Yeah, dif- different set of people. Maybe a couple new people. <laughs> well, it definitely. I was gonna say it adds to the the kind of scream rules if you remember those. Where like the sequel always has more bodies dropping and it's grosser. Yeah, you know, like all that. And yeah. that's why we've got like. Sigourney Weaver with this phalanx of Marines because it's like right. that's <laughs> we need to kill more cannon, people. Cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to die. Um, but, but yeah, like, you I, know, Scream One and Scream Two, like the right. plot is not different. No, if you like, if you break it down, really. no, no, no. And in fact, I just rewatched the the not the newest Scream, not Scream Six, but Scream Five. Uh, mm-hmm. Where they kind of like reboot, reboot the, the whole thing, um, yeah. And I was like, this is like almost note for note the same movie. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And then and, and they it, say so. They say so in the movie. You know, like that's the whole thing. Um, yeah. It's just. I mean, it's all. It's very formulaic. And they, yeah. you know, that's like the joke of the movie too. Is they like they talk about the formula, but right. um, yeah, it's that's it, yeah. Anyway, so I guess I can't hate on it too much for that because that's that's its whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, as for the cast, uh, we don't really need to know a lot of people primarily because not a lot of people survive. Um, And and though there are a lot of people in this movie, not that many of them actually have meaningful speaking parts, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Um, But a lot of good people are in it. Yeah, and it's it's definitely like a proving ground. Like Bill Paxton is there in a, mm-hmm. like a supporting role, and he is meant to be the comic relief, which he basically <laughs> is. Um, 
But we, of course, the main character is Ellen Ripley, played by a 37-year-old Sigourney Weaver, um, who we've talked about in the context of our Alien episode from quite a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she is, like, you know, a powerhouse of an actor. Uh, and as I said, she I think she's even referred kind of semi-officially as the queen of sci-fi because she's in these oh, movies. Yeah. Because there's, there's like a series of alien movies after this. And that's, I oh guess God. that's the other thing too is like, after this movie worked so well, mm-hmm. it's like now now we have a franchise. And, and yeah. that like kicked things yeah. off. Um, and she was in quite a lot of those, though not, the more recent ones are kind of again, more of a reboot thing where she's not really there. Uh-huh. Um, and most recently she's in this, show that's really kicked off in Australia because I think it's mostly filmed here and set here called The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Um, I don't, I haven't watched the show myself, um, but it's quite a big hit. And um, she's also now set to be involved in all of James Cameron's upcoming Avatar movies. Um, I presume Mm. doing mostly voice work there, but I'm not totally sure. Okay. Um, so I really like Sigourney Weaver. I think she's great in pretty much everything I've ever seen her do. So I assume that will continue. Um, then we have this, the kind of love interest, I would say. I feel like they start playing with this a bit as the movie goes on. Corporal Hicks, played by a 30-year-old Michael Bine. Um, we talked about him because the whole movie, I was like, I've seen this guy before. I've seen this guy before. And then I was correct in where I thought I'd seen him. He plays Kyle Reese in Terminator. So we've talked about him before as well. Um, He was kind of a favorite of James Cameron's for a while. And I'm not sure what happened, but it seems like he maybe sort of fell fell out of favor. Um, And then even though he continues to work, he's he's worked steadily his whole career. Um, he never quite jumped into the big time, which after being in this movie and Terminator and the abyss, you would kind of expect cause he had like pretty big roles in those movies. But, um, you know, it's possible that like nothing I read said this, but just like everything about it suggests that he and James Cameron had a falling out and probably James Cameron was like, fuck this guy. And then, <laughs> um, you know, his career didn't go quite as one might imagine for someone starting Mm. out so strong. Um, But again, nothing to worry about. He's got upcoming gigs as well. So, you know, fine. Um, The little girl named Newt um, is played by a 10 year old Carrie Hen, who this was basically her own, not basically, this was her only thing that she ever did. Interesting. Um, she, and as you'll see here, she did one voice work part in 2020. Um, random. Yeah. And when I was looking into her backstory, I guess like, I, like she, I don't know. I don't know what the experience of filming this was like for her, but she basically decided afterwards that she wanted to just be a kid. And she was like, I, I want to spend more time with my family and like, just do it. She's like a teacher now. Like she's just a regular ass lady. That is so interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating to me. I mean, Hollywood 
definitely seems toxic. I get it. I, like, fully get that. But at the same time, it's such a coveted um, industry. And, like, you, if you break in, especially early, it's, yeah. it's, it's wild to me, the people that choose to walk away from it. I mean, I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. But as a coveter myself, it's an interesting choice. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it is kind of wild because especially with how popular this movie was. And so, therefore, yeah. how recognizable her face would have been. As a yeah. child. It makes me worried that it was, like, Something about it was bad. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. I well, mean. And, and and James Cameron, I'll go in on him again. Like, I don't. You do not like, like this man. <laughs> he just, I mean, there are a lot of directors that I think uh, really are too self-important. Like, really just love sure. themselves and think yeah. that they're brilliant and, like, would I believe, though I can't accuse because I don't know James Cameron, so sorry, would put a child in, let's say, some cold water with some fake-ass yep. aliens yep. for a long time, and that might yep. be traumatizing. Right. Um, yeah, even if it isn't I could believe like, that. Yeah, even if it isn't like, you know, bad, bad, where it's like, yeah. I got, like, molested or, like, someone hit me yeah. or something. Like, even if it's not like that, the experience of this probably wouldn't have been great um just because even like the high stress of it like yeah wait like and if if you just you can't be a child like it is not right. like it's not being a kid to be yeah like, on and, a set and from we don't 9 know to 9 PM. right and we don't know if you know like how things looked on set like maybe it yeah. did look kind of scary to interact with yeah. these things and even though you know it's not real you have to pretend you're afraid you know like um, I'm not and, sure I would like it. Like those nasty little things with their nasty yeah. wet mouths. No, thank you. Yeah. And especially like if James Cameron was literally like freaking out twice and three times a day, like, <laughs> you know, like and yelling at people, even if he's not yelling at you, like as a kid, no, it's that, like, this is not nice. I don't like this. Like, no, it's not great as an adult, but, like, as a child, no. it's really scary, you know? Like, well, you know, yeah. Well, when you think about, like, someone yelling in your presence, even if it's not at you, like, if someone is berating someone else in front of you or, yeah. like, you yeah. know, having yeah. flying off the handle, then you are scared. Right. Even though you're not the target this time, but you could be in a second because they're not stable. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? And it's, yeah, it is kind of interesting that a little girl would have, like, had the wherewithal to be, like, peace out. I, I, I did this because I said I would. And yeah. I, because, like, that's the other thing. That's why I think it's so insidious because a different sort of person or even a different set of parents, right, might have been, like, mm. well, the next we won't ever work with this person again. The next one will be sure. different, you know. Um, no, it sounds like whoever was surrounding her did a good job of listening to her because yeah. I think as many a uh, child star would probably tell you, they were not listened to as children. Right. And they may right. even, they may not realize it until way, way later. They right. may think they wanted to do it all. That, that it was all of their own accord, their own autonomy, whatever, and then only later be like, hmm. <laughs> Why did I keep doing that? Yeah. I yeah. feel like I was tricked. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, next we have the character of Burke, played by a 30-year-old Paul Reiser, um, mm -hmm. who started out as a comedian, 
Um, his very first credit on IMDb is the 1982 movie Diner, um, mm. which is pretty good. I've seen it. Um, yeah. He's gone on to be in things like Beverly Hills Cop, My Two Dads, another thing I used to like as a child. Um, <laughs> and know that for the younger listeners, should we have any, um, My Two Dads was not this super progressive 80s show about... Yeah, they were not gay men. <laughs> <laughs> I think what... I, think I they forgot like that, friends. actually. I, think I actually like sort of forgot that. I from college, and then... It was very similar to Full House. Why do they House. have a daughter? I oh. think it was like one of them had the daughter oh. dropped in his lap. Wait and it a was second. Like, I want to watch that show again because... I wonder if it actually was gay and we never like I don't think it was. Way. I don't think that it was <laughs> at all. I'm just curious, like because that sounds pretty gay. Like and, Oh but, like, God. Oh my god, what? it's even stupider than I Okay. Oh, so I tell just us. Googled it. Joey and Michael, who fought oh, wow. over the same woman 13 years ago. Now have, upon her death, been awarded joint (gasps) custody of her daughter, who might be either of theirs. Oh my god, it's Mamma Mia. Wait, like, um... (laughs) Did you know the story of Mamma Mia? Wait, yes. So rather than doing a paternity test, they just decide that they're going to raise her together. Okay, and then, like, the sequel to the show is (laughs) I am an adult and I am... A mess. Wait, like, <laughs> whoa, that's crazy. What the hell? Yes. Wait, what time period was that show on? Is it the 80s or uh, early 90s? Yes, 87 to 1990. Okay, the late 80s was crazy because it was. that is an insane premise. It is genuinely the weirdest. Um, yes, and it's. <laughs> I totally Wow, I just have like this. so many questions. We can't get into it. We yeah, gotta okay, okay. Anyway, he, it was also in Mad About You, which yes. I also loved. Also very 90s, but like much more in a different than way. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then more recently, he's been in both The Boys and Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we have your favorite character in mine, the android called Bishop, played by a 46-year-old Lance Henriksen. Um, who he's in everything he's in everything as you can see he's got 263 credits his first one going back to 1961 um he's been in close encounters of the third kind he was in terminator he was in Pumpkinhead. he was bishop two and alien to the third power which is alien three um he plays charles bishop wayland is it really called aliens to the third power I think technically that's what it would be, but I think most people call it Alien 3. Okay. Um, he plays Charles Bishop Wayland in Alien vs. Predator, which we also have talked about. Um, he was in this weird-ass movie from the 90s called Powder. Um, I remember that. I, have you, did you ever actually see it, or you just remember no, it No, I existed? just remembered that. Yeah, I just remembered it existed because it was creepy. And I meant to ask you as well, did you have have you ever gotten into the Pumpkinhead franchise? <laughs> no. Um okay. no. It's something There's I'm considering of... doing for my Halloween watching. Okay. Maybe. Maybe it's good. Tell me if it's any good. 
I'll let you know. I know there are a lot of them, but that is not necessarily indicative that it's a good franchise. Um, yeah. And then finally, I just wanted to flag this for you. He's He voices the voice of Santa in a thing called Vote for Santa. So hmm. I don't know if that's I've not seen that your one. situation, I, but... I don't, I don't know if that means, like, if he's a voice, if that means it's, like, animated or something, because I don't really I watch a lot of... I assume it would be, but I don't Okay, know. I don't watch a lot of, like, the only animated Christmas stuff that I watch, and I don't know if you would call it animated, is, like, those old claymation ones. Oh, other yeah, than that, I guess that's animation, yeah. Yeah, other than that, it's, ma- I don't mainly watch live action stuff. Fair enough. Um, and then he's also got four upcoming things as well, so I guess he's just going to wow. work until... He can't anymore. Wait, um, how old is he now? For, he was 46 in 1986. In this. He's old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Um, so as I said, Bill Paxton appears. Um, Al Matthews, who plays the character Sergeant Apone. I just think this is interesting. He was a Vietnam War vet himself. Um, huh. So he actually helped, like, the actors playing Marines, he helped... Like, they all got together to train up and, like, get a bit better at some of this stuff. But he helped them with that because he actually had, you know, war experience. Mm. And then I find this uniquely strange. So the character name of Vazquez, who is super-duper Latina in this movie and has quite a lot of that going on, was actually played by a Jewish actress named Jeanette Goldstein, um, (laughs) who... Who did in fact wear makeup to make her skin look darker? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and um, bulked up for the role because uh, she like needed to be more kind of like uh, muscular. Um, yeah, and then she also said that she like did a lot of her research by like watching tapes of like Mexican gangsters and stuff. And I'm like, that's a weird Yikes. choice, but all right. That um, is weird. I'm not sure I understood her character. There's there's some... This Speaking is of toxic like, masculinity... Yeah, like, this actually, is what I mean. Yeah, this is what I well, mean. Well, actually, like, when you asked that question, I kind of thought you meant this character. Oh, I didn't specifically mean her, but I, like... I think what I'm trying to say for this movie, and yeah, this goes back to what I said in the opening, is like... The writing for Ripley, let's say, is fairly nuanced or complex or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But for the other female characters in this movie, which of which there are extremely few, <laughs> um, they, they seem to be slotted into roles that could just as easily be played by men. Yeah. Like they've like because we're at this point where it's like oh we should probably throw some women into the mix <laughs> like it's the eighties we should show that they're there but like yeah we're not gonna do but we much don't really else. know how to deal with them yeah we're not yeah. gonna do much else like we're, we'll do all the same writing in fact all of the people writing this are still all men so we don't really get it so like we'll just like do the same <laughs> shit but with women you know kind of right. that sort of thing um, right. And Vasquez in particular, that character is like the Jesse Ventura from Predator, which comes out the year after. Like, she's got the big giant yeah. gun. She's, like, super intense about everything. Um, that's her vibe. Um, so that's all we need to know in terms of backstory and setup. And we've talked for an hour. So now let's try and be Uh-oh. 
uh, economical. Let's pick it up. <laughs> let's talk, let's try and be economical about this movie. So, um, I'll just basically maybe we'll just pick and choose some things to talk about. So, okay. The opening is such that we pick up with Ripley where we left her, basically, at the end of Alien. Mm -hmm. She's floating out in space in the Nostromo in her uh, hypersleep pod with a cat. Right. And this was immediately, I was like, I've seen this movie before. (laughs) Well, because you had seen that part. You had seen that (laughs) part before. Yeah, okay. And... So she gets rescued. She's still alive. And the cat's alive too. So congratulations. Um, That cat's amazing. Yes. Now, once she's on this space station, Burke, Paul Reiser, Mm -hmm. reveals to her that she's been in hypersleep for 57 years. Um, Yikes. So we as the audience as well are like, okay, quite a lot of time has passed since the original movie. Yeah. Um, This is tough going for her to realize. And then not only is that like kind of a thing to process, I'm not sure how much time passes, but then she gets basically put on trial by the company that she had been working for, which owned mm-hmm. the Nostromo. And I can't remember, I think in Alien Original, um, the Nostromo was sent out to do like a mining expedition or something. Okay. So that it was meant to be a money-making venture, which, of mm. course, money was not made, money was lost. And so this trial or tribunal or whatever you'd call it um, is... Like, basically pinning her ass to the wall for losing the company money. Because, like, her logs have been downloaded. Everyone, like, all the details of the trip have been assessed. And they're like, you seemingly fucked up this ship for no reason because there's no evidence of this creature that you said existed on the planet, the abandoned planet Mm -hmm. that we found. And there's no evidence of the creature in the ship. So who are we to believe here? Um, And so the answer, of course, this is sometime deep in the future. Women are still not believed. So that's cool. Um, I'm over it. Well, because, wait a second, really quick. In the first Alien, are they in present day? So it would be like 79 or whatever, and it's 57 years? No, oh. no, no. They're they're already in quite the deep okay, future. Okay. I don't remember okay. precisely how far ahead, but okay, no. Okay. So we're now and we're remember, even further ahead in the future. Okay. And I remember in the first one we talked a lot about them not believing women and like right. that, they had that one lady who was like a little bit cuckoo. Oh, that's right. She starts freaking out early. She's like the Bill Paxton yeah. of yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. Um they also reveal that the planet that her ship landed on, which is being called LV-426, um, has, has begun this terraforming process. And as a result, there's now a colony there with 60 to 70 families on it. And when she learns yes. this, she's deeply concerned. 
Because she's like, there is something out there and you guys are trying to basically like cover it up and th- those families are going to pay the price for this, mm-hmm. basically. Um, it's unclear how much time passes, but Ripley seems to remain on this space station doing some kind of work and, as I said in this outline, and not dealing well with her PTSD. Um, because in her, like, home, it's, first of all, it's extremely small. Um, but it's, like, because it's extremely small, like, there's, like, detritus all over every surface. Um, she's, she's in her bathrobe when Burke comes to see her. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying anything because I literally spent all day yesterday until I had to leave the house in my bathrobe, (laughs) but, like... It's, I don't it's own often, a bathrobe, but, like, my clothes might as well be a bathrobe, so I get it. It's often not a great sign is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so Burke shows up, and he reveals to her that though she said something is going to go wrong on LV426, and everyone said, no, it won't, he's come by to say something's gone wrong on LV426. <laughs> Of course. And there's preparing a team to go, like basically they've lost contact with the colony. Okay. And there's preparing a team to go investigate and figure out what's gone wrong. And they want her to come along. Um, she says she is not interested, so he leaves. Um, but as is often the case, with some time to think about this she also wakes up from a nightmare she decides that she is going to go on this mission she calls up uh burke in the middle of the night and this is important for the story she specifically says that the only way she will go on this mission is if the purpose of the mission is to exterminate any xenomorph that's the name of the aliens that okay. might be found on planet LV426. Okay. She specifically says, <laughs> I will not do anything that is about collecting samples, studying the creature, or developing like she's like, I am not interested in that, and I will be not, I will not be part of a mission that is for that reason, these are too dangerous. They just simply need to be exterminated. That is her okay, position. And fair. And as the only one of them that has actually, like, seen them, they should probably listen to that. What I would Which ask, they though, do not, of course. Of course not. <laughs> but what I would ask is, can you not exterminate them and also take a sample after the fact? And, like, learn some stuff about them in a past tense situation. You absolutely can. But from what I know about science and biology, even now, mm-hmm. a dead sample doesn't give you the same, the same kind of information as a live okay. sample can do. Okay, that's fair. Like, okay. it doesn't mean it's useless. There are just limits to what you can learn from something that sure. is dead. Sure. So okay. Um, All right. Fair enough. But yeah. But yeah. So like, still they should have listened to her. <laughs> yes. Like us. And I guess the thing is, is like, but particularly because we still don't understand the xenomorphs at all. 
even a dead sample could potentially be dangerous because we don't really know what did. Oh, if they is, like you know what I mean? Or something. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so she's like, no, 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 I won't be doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Burke, of course, says, don't even worry about it. We are on the same page. He is lying, but we won't Which is Burke learn that. Paul Reiser? I yes. forget already. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we then jump into the mission itself. We follow uh, Ripley into a giant ship known as the Sulaco. Um, and we wake up in the hypersleep room with her and the rest of the team. Um, I They don't make this clear in the movie because I don't really feel like they've said it specifically. But everything I looked at online kept calling these not just the Marines, but the colonial Marines. Um, what does that mean? Well, because there's these colonies, there's this colony on this planet, I can only assume there are colonies on other planets. Um, mm. And so the colonial Marines, I guess, would be doing Marine work to do with the colonies. With these colonies? Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I was like, are they from colonial times? What's happening? No, they're not from colonial... Well, they are from colonial times. It's just future colonial times, not past colonial times. Um, When everybody wakes up, there's a lot of, like, horsing around and joking and ribbing, all of which is the vibe I don't like. Um, (laughs) You don't like jokes? I mean, I like jokes, of course. I like humor. And I know that just by saying I like humor makes me sound like an android. Um, but I don't like this kind of like grab assy, like, um, yeah. like Vasquez is doing pull-ups when she wakes up from hypersleep. And I'm like, really, lady? Yeah. Like, who cares? I get that. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not into that. And then uh, Bishop does a knife trick where he holds Bill Paxton's hand down and does that thing of like, I'm putting the knife between your fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Um, and this is when Ripley realizes that he's an Android and she's Mm, fucking pissed about it. Yeah. Yes. And she's pissed about it because in the last movie, the Android is the one that betrays them. Right, right, right. Oh, that's right. That's also why she doesn't want to study it because the android in the last movie was given a secret directive by the company to try and collect samples and information. And that's why she doesn't trust synthetics and why she also doesn't want to be part of any sort of collection or studying. Here's what I would say to her. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to victim blame, (laughs) but... I feel like the writing was on the wall a bit. Like, she made the same errors. <laughs> like, like it, why did you think the... Why did you believe them? Why did she go? Like, yeah, kind of. Like, you didn't I want... I mean... You, like, have very... I mean, I get it. Like, I'm again, I'm not going to blame her because she, like, she had clear stipulations and they were violated. Fine. Right. But... Why did you trust these dum-dums? Like, they were, like... Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. But, like, I think in terms of why she went or, like, what her motivation is... Yeah. The way they show it in the movie is she wakes up from a traumatic dream and that's what causes her to call Paul Riser Mm. and ultimately say she's in. Mm. 
and then okay. give him They, like, mind-controlled this... her. I, I don't think so. I think it's more like, um, hmm. Yeah, I think from her perspective, it's like, I don't want to keep living in fear. Yeah. I... If I want to I, conquer this thing or whatever. Yeah. And I guess probably she might also say, like, the as long as I know that there's this LV426 thing, mm-hmm. if I don't go myself, I'll never trust yeah. that this is over. You know? All right. Like, Fair enough. I, I think that's probably, and that's why she makes this big stink about, like, it's got to be for extermination. Right? Like, Yeah, fair enough. So from my perspective... Still, Go on. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, so I get that. And so I guess from my perspective, I, as someone who like only half pays attention to things, like I was like, they went to this place where they knew right. there was a there problem. would be trouble. Yes. Then they saw the trouble and stayed there <laughs> and like I mean, walked further into it or like, you know, they had is, to deal with the problem. Yeah. That is why they were sent there, though. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But that's crazy because I don't understand. Because, like, that's like if if you were a person, if you were a colonist on that planet, wouldn't you want someone to come and help if they could? Oh, uh, uh, well, I guess, like, from a from a selfish perspective, if someone. Um, I don't work in any type of like service industry or like uh, emergency services or something because if someone told me there's an emergency over there or this this like there's a problem over here, do you know where I'm walking? Neither yeah, of those direction. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not walking into the problem. I know. I you and I are not cut out for these jobs, <laughs> but that doesn't right. mean these jobs shouldn't exist. I I agree. I agree. As aforementioned, my dream job is sitting in a chair. So, like, (laughs) this is not, you wouldn't be on this mission. You would not be selected for this. Oh, no, Um, no, no, no. And I would die first for sure. Yeah. Uh, So, the team then gets kind of let into the secret of what they are going to be doing, that this is. Basically, at, at this moment, this is kind of like um, a search and rescue mission to mm-hmm. try and determine if colonists are still alive. Um, if so, why did communications fail? So on and so forth. They also are told about the possibility of the xenomorphs. That's why Ripley's there. Um, nobody, again, super believes her, but nonetheless. Um, mm-hmm. When we finally get to the surface of the planet, the colony planet, LV-426. Um, there is no one around. Um, it's the definition of ghost town. Um, and when they go into, like, I guess because it's being terraformed, like, they can be on the surface of the planet without a spacesuit. So I guess they've gotten as mm-hmm. far as to make breathable air out there. But otherwise, mm-hmm. it's quite inhospitable still. So, like, it looks like what was the case was that the colony and the colonists were all living in this, like, big complex. Um, okay. And inside the complex, there's, like, a lot of damage. There's, like, pipes and 
tubes like hanging down from the wall. There's holes in the floor. Um, but there are still no bodies anywhere. Mm. It's just empty, empty, empty. As they're doing their sweep through the colony complex, they find some examples of the face hugger version of the alien in their yeah. med lab. Um, two of which are still alive. They're like in those yeah. um Oh, like I jars. hated that. Yeah. Oh, I hated that. That was actually, I'm gonna say it, like uh graphic looking. I thought that that thing looked really suspiciously like something it shouldn't look like. It it didn't look good. It, that's oh. what I'll say. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it looked kind of vaginal to me. Yes. That is what I was thinking. It, like, and it also reminded me, <laughs> similar, like, similarly, yet also opposite, it reminded me of... Um, I have been to the Penis Museum in Iceland, and Great, they have <laughs> they have all types of animal um, genitalia. Is that what the Penis Museum is? Is just animal genitalia, it's or is it animal other dicks stuff? in jars? It's mainly animal dicks in jars, and it's they're all in like. Um, jars of goo or like formaldehyde or whatever well you um, gotta keep them in a jar of goo if, if oh my these God. movies have taught us anything is you, gotta. you gotta keep it i mean that's what and that's so <laughs> so that's what this reminded me of too was like the penis museum because it's like these nasty things in a big old glass jar of goo yeah um they're concerned about this but their attention gets drawn because the motion sensor that they've been carrying seems to pick something up. And so they follow it. And this is when we find Newt, the one little girl seemingly remaining alive on the colony who has been hiding in the air ducts for it's unclear how long, but she's very dirty. Very dirty. And how does she eat? I'm just thinking about. Well... That's a good question because she's they they follow her into her own little nest that's like in the walls, uh-huh. and I guess because it's not clear. I mean, the colonists must have had food supply of some okay. sort or another, so I assume she must be living off that. Okay. Um, though I don't, it's not super clear. I also thought it was funny because whoever did the set decoration for her little nest, mm-hmm. um, when you. When it was like closing up on things, you could see that what she's a little girl, right? So one of the things she had collected, there were all these little bits of jewelry around, oh, like cute. that she had collected treasures, you know, like that's cute. Um, and I thought that was really like a nice touch of like, what would a little girl on her own mm-hmm. be trying, like if she's trying to comfort herself or do something, what would she be interested in? getting and that was like yeah. oh yeah that makes a sense she also of course has like just that doll head as her doll <laughs> um which gets creepy later um <laughs> so needless to say as soon as newt comes on the scene this is i guess when we see the character development for ripley because she immediately takes on the mother role for newt mm-hmm. Um, Newt, who is quite stoic about the fact that when she does start to talk, she's basically like, my whole family's dead. Um, she seems not okay with it, 
but she's pretty stoic about it for a child. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so, and this is, I guess what I, what I, this is more now we've, now we're getting into the action movie part of this. Um, because there's not really much more story that happens, I would say. Um, because we've now collected our full cast of characters and now it's about watching them drop you know, Rough. one <laughs> by one or two by two. That's really what, cause yeah, it's like both an action movie and a horror movie now. And that's yeah. where we are. Um, I also think it's interesting cause we have not yet even seen a full grown xenomorph. We've only seen the yeah. facehuggers and we're kind of deep into the movie at this point. Yeah. Um, we learn, unfortunately, this is where, and now we're, let's say, now that we're into the body dropping, aliens are coming out, things are happening part, this is when the alien goo really kicks up. This is oh, where it, oh. we get to it. Um, because they determine that, because I guess like all the colonists were fitted with little trackers um, okay. in case anything went wrong. And so they've Mm -hmm. determined that there's a big, like pretty much all of the colonists are all collected in this same space at the Mm. bottom of the processing plant. And so they're like, okay, we better go down and find them or like figure out why they're all there and what's going on. So they go down into the basement and the basement has, does not look like the kind of Spartan colony space that they've been in before the basement has gotten alienified like there's like Mm -hmm. organic material on the walls it's this like rabbit worn of tunnels and tubes and one of the women marines she says there seems to be some sort of quote secreted resin on, (laughs) on the wall and I was like that's a real cool way to say alien goo. Haven't heard that yeah. one before. Um, That's so, a really like smart, fancy pants kind of way to say yeah, that. Yeah. I think she might have been, she was like the lowest tier female character, but I think she was technically supposed to be some sort of biologist because she was like the only okay. one who said anything kind of remotely smart. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, at this point, the teams are kind of separated. There are the Marines who are going to look for what's going on with the colonists, and then Ripley and the Lieutenant and Paul Reiser are all in, like, a command station just watching everything happen. Okay. And Ripley is the one who points out they're in the processing plant. The processing plant is nuclear-powered, so they can't use traditional firearms, because even like, I don't even know if this is really true, but basically the premise is here that like even the spark of the firearm could ignite like a whole thing. So we can't do that. So the lieutenant tells uh, them to to take out their traditional bullets from their guns and that they are really not meant to use them. Okay. Um... My notes then say they eventually find the colonists all in a giant nest of goo. 
gross. <laughs> I do not like that. And there they, was a couple uh, of times, I don't know what the hell it was, where, like, some goo flower opened up. Yeah, that's the eggs. Was that? Oh, I hated that. <laughs> that So, okay. Uh, to the degree that I know the life cycle of these xenomorphs, the, the mom lays the egg. Okay. When the egg is at maturity, it opens up like a flower. And then inside the egg is the face hugger, which... Ugh. And that turns into the big-ass nasty one. And then the face hugger has to implant itself into a human body. Okay. And then it matures in there. Yes. That's, I think, the life cycle. So that's (laughs) wild. That is... Wait a second now. Hold on. Hold the phone. Wait. How are there so many of these? And I guess that's why all the humans are dead. But, like... Whoa, that's okay. So for a so, smart okay. creature, I don't know if they're supposed to be smart, but I think they need to cut out the middleman, so to speak. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's a crazy life cycle to have to use so, another body to like build yourself in. I don't think yes, it is wild, but I don't think it is like unprecedented in nature. I think there's actually a really lot of, yeah, because in a sense, this is like a parasite. Right. And there's a variety of different types of things that, like, burst out of people's chests. Well, not precisely, but like, (laughs) need to find a host for Mm, some amount of time to, like, I don't know that it necessarily works quite how this one, where like they mature inside you. I don't know that that's true. Right, right, right. But they're like, they need so, a host in order to grow, sort of, the, or right. to like strengthen. And so I think what we can imagine is like, hmm, how would I say this? I When I watch these movies, one of the things that I always kind of find intriguing about the Alien franchise and the portrayal of the Xenomorph is I'm not sure that they actually are meant to have any intelligence at all. Like, oh. or self-awareness to speak of, I almost interpret them as being so instinctually driven that it mm. appears to be intelligence. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It was, I, I was kind of reminded actually a bit about species in this same way of like, oh, is, is, is your drive to survive and procreate so strong and and because of that you've evolutionary evolutionarily developed all these different ways to allow for that to happen right like so you've got blood that's acid you've got a very hard shell you've got like pincers and all this stuff all of that is really ultimately to serve the function of propagating the species that is my primary driving goal in life um i i only attack because my ultimate job is to protect the eggs which is kind of what this movie is suggesting because like there's this big nest of eggs and the xenomorphs that exist seem to mostly attack because they're protecting those eggs not because they necessarily care about eating human beings or whatever like yeah that's incidental so i assume 
and I don't know if this movie exists in the franchise because I've not watched all of them. I assume that the, the way, way, if you went into the way, 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 way back machine <laughs> to see like the evolution process for the xenomorph, they yeah. would come from a planet that would have some sort of an organism like us mm. that they developed this like predatory but symbiotic relationship with. Yeah. Um, that, but then presumably they ran out of those. And so they need to go to other planets to find similar organisms that they can use to propagate their species. That's what I think yeah. probably is the deal. Okay. And I almost That's crazy. Be- <laughs> I know it's wild. It seems like you're right. It seems like a lot of extra steps, but who knows? Um, because actually this is interesting. I was reading about, um, how childbirth sucks <laughs> and, yep. and, speci- and specifically the thing I was reading was about how, like, cause people are like evolutionarily human beings, uh, are like, are not the most efficient at giving birth. Um, there are many other species, like particularly like, because the, uh, pelvic bone of the people who give birth is extremely small, like, and it only expands so far. Whereas other, even other primates, have much easier time giving birth than humans do. Um, and the article I was reading was basically like, evolution doesn't care about efficiency; it just has to work, and it has to work reliably. So. Yeah. For the par- so for this extra step of like we've got to first I've got to lay the egg then the egg has to hatch and then it has to implant in a human or a human like body and then it's to maturity, yeah that's kind of a bummer, but as long as it works it doesn't matter that it's not the most efficient. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, as long as it's reliable we don't really care. Um, so my thing is I think that those eggs can probably sit around for ages and then they like Mm. activate quote unquote when there's a host species available right that's what I think is the vibe that is really weird I mean I I get it but again it seems like a really intense process (laughs) I mean definitely as depicted in this film it's quite intense um, yeah, because when they find these colonists in the nest of goo, one of them is still alive and she's got like her face coming out of the top of the goo and she's like pressed against the wall and she looks at them. She like opens her eyes suddenly and that's a scare. And then she's like, kill me. <laughs> Yikes. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Pretty bad news. Um, this is when we first get the chest rip of a xenomorph coming out of this dying woman. Um, and the team immediately attacks that xenomorph with a flamethrower, which then causes all of the other xenomorphs to like awaken. Um, and again, so this goes back to my saying, I don't know that the xenomorphs actually have like genuine intelligence. I think they're just extremely like sensitive and have excellent instincts and are really strong as a result. So they can like do things that look as though they're smart, 
but I don't mm. think they actually are. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So Ripley is watching this through the body cams of the Marines. She's telling the lieutenant to pull them out. He's panicking. He can't do it. Um, so Ripley takes charge of the operation. Um, and when she finally manages to drive the weird tank that they're in back to the processing plant to rescue whoever's left, there's only a handful of people who are left. Um, and she basically says, okay, right. We, we've now confirmed that these things exist. I'm right. Everyone believes me. (laughs) Great. She's like, our now priority is that we are getting off this planet. And as soon as we take off, we're going to nuke the whole thing. Um, just to ensure the complete obliteration of these xenomorphs. Sounds like a good plan. Let's Indeed. not listen to it. I know. Paul Reiser <laughs> immediately pipes up and is like, you can't do that. The company has put a lot of oh, money into this company. colony and the terraforming. And you and you and he's like, and remember how you're already in trouble for messing up the Nostromo. This is even more money, so you like definitely can't be doing that. Um Ripley then points out that, in fact, um, she's not in charge. He's not in charge. The person who's in charge is uh, Colonel Hicks. Um, and so she's like, tell us what to do. This is a military mission. You're, in, you're the most senior officer left now. What to do? Mm-hmm. And Hicks agrees with her. So plan is we're going to blow up this planet. That's what we're doing. Um, Love it. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, however, um, it turns out that um, they have ended up stranded on the planet because uh, a xenomorph got into the shuttle that they were on, and so that's been wrecked. Um, And now, because of that, Hicks reveals that a rescue team won't be sent for them. Like, a, a rescue team won't arrive for 17 days um, mm. because of protocols and things. This is when Bill Paxton freaks out, specifically, <laughs> um, which is a good comedic moment. Um, is it supposed to be funny? It is supposed to be funny. What does he say? I kind of can't remember it. Uh, he, he, yeah, what he's got, like, some famous lines. It's like... Uh, what the fuck fucking like, something <laughs> we've got to get the fuck out of here yeah um okay. basically what you'd expect i guess yeah but he is i think he does say fuck quite a lot and yeah. um that's funny I'm trying, uh oh one of his other things he the signature line according to wikipedia is when he says game over man game over um <laughs> i don't know I don't recall that specifically being one of his better ones, but, um, yeah, so he, it is meant to be funny, but it's also like, I think he does play it well where you're like, this is someone who is like right on the edge of a complete nervous breakdown. Like, yeah, yeah, like cause Ripley talks him down and is like, Hey, can you just like be a deer? (laughs) Could you just be a little lamb? And, 
find the blueprints for this. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I need you to just like stop thinking about the bad stuff for just a little while. And I mean, at at the same time, I'm like, this is not healthy because she's like, take all those feelings, crumple them up, bottle them up, (laughs) smash, smash them down. Just smash and smash them down so that you can be a productive member of society, please, and thank well, you. Well, that's pretty uh, 80s. I won't lie. <laughs> I mean, it's still pretty now as well. But, um, True. But I do appreciate they're in a crisis, and it's like, you it's can not the freak time. out about this yeah. for like literally the, the rest of your life. Like, if we survive <laughs> this, and and maybe you, you will. Can, if we survive this. You're allowed to be traumatized forever once yeah, we survive you get, this. But right now, you we get need to survive. one card that says lifetime therapy for free. <laughs> you get that, right? But that you have to survive this first, and then you can get yeah. that. Um, oh, my God. So she's like, can you get some blueprints? We need to come up with a plan. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, so they look at the blueprints, they barricade themselves in what I'm calling the ops center of this colony building and they seal off all the tunnels. Um, meanwhile, in the med lab, Bishop has been investigating and studying the face huggers, which of course makes Ripley extremely uncomfortable because she Mm -hmm. thinks he's going to be doing something bad. Mm -hmm. Um... What she actually learns from him is that there are these eggs being laid all around the compound and she rather um, kind of forebodingly says what's been laying them, which we will soon see. Um, And then Bishop also tells her, because he doesn't know it's a secret, that Paul Reiser has asked him to keep samples of the face Mm -hmm. huggers. Um, This is when Paul Reiser reveals his kind of full terribleness he's like um i always knew i always believed that there was this creature on this place like you said um and in fact that's why i i specifically permitted a colony to be built here (laughs) Uh, jesus go ahead did that no problem also not only is that bad But the reason why I've done all these things is because I want to get samples of this alien to use and develop bioweapons for the company. Whoa. He is a piece of shit. I... Paul Reiser is a very interesting choice for a villain. He is because he doesn't even... And and the rest of the movie bears this out... He's not, I wouldn't even call him a villain per se. Like, mm-hmm. he's too squirrely for that, and he's kind of too, right. he's not powerful enough to be a real yeah. villain. He's he's a bureaucratic paper pusher who yeah. is incentivized by greed and right. his own mediocrity. Right, right, right. Which, in fact, makes him, so like, basically most bureaucrats I know <laughs> and administrators boom. and everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say it makes him, like, most white men, but whatever. Also that, for sure. <laughs> also that. Um, no, but it is, I mean, it's funny, you know, like, life imitates art. It's because, like, since I'm involved in these, like, various work battles, um, mm-hmm. it is very true that there are the people on the ground of most jobs Doing like doing the thing that the the company 
makes or provides or produces or whatever. Those people. um, There are more of those people than anybody else. They are the actual people responsible for the company existing in the first place. Yeah. Right. Um, And then there are the people at the way, way, way to be top. And they're the people who like are making the most money and actually do the least often. Like they're like, I'm going (laughs) to pop into the office for like a couple hours this week, have have like a meeting or two. I'm going to assume everything's fine. Boom. Yeah. Um, And then it's all these weird fucks in the middle who, (laughs) who are like. We're trying to impress those those people. Those people. And tell them. Yes. They want to be yeah. that person at the top who goes to meetings for two hours a week. Yeah. And they're like, the way to so do that gonna is... So they're going to kiss their ass. Right. I'm going to ingratiate yeah. myself to the top end of the spectrum. And the way I'm going yeah. to do that is by squeezing the bottom end of the spectrum and be like, you know, it's just a shame we can't offer you ongoing work. We'll just keep giving yep. you contracts until forever. Um, it's so or weird. It's, oh, There's no more money left. It's only just like yeah. going into my bank account. I don't know where it could possibly be. Yeah, or it's just like floating in this pool of like, we want to save this giant pool of billions of dollars for future investments to be right. determined later. And you're like, but we need money now. It's the pandemic. But I actually, Can you like, pay us don't now? have a house. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's his vibe, 100%. Yep. Like, yep. And so he's like, he's like, I developed this cool-ass secret project and what I was going to do is I was going to work on it and kill people. And, le- and if people died, eh. Um, and once I worked on it enough, then I was going to reveal to the higher-ups how I had developed this cool-ass bioweapons thing. And then I was going to be rewarded for that. That's mm-hmm. like the whole sum-up of his situation. Now, all of that's cool. Cool pitch, cool idea. Unfortunately for everyone... They realize that the nuclear-powered processing plant, because, again, it's not clear to me, like, how long ago all these colonists got put into the nest, Mm -hmm. but whatever maintenance was supposed to be happening to the power plant was not being done. Okay. And so, unfortunately, the power plant is about to go critical. We're about to have a nuclear explosion on our hands because things are getting nuts. So this is when Bishop offers, he's basically the only one who can do this. He's like, I will manually shut everything down and I'll call the additional shuttle down from the big ship up uh, orbiting around the planet. Um, And to do this, he has to crawl through that long ass pipe. Oh yeah, I hated that. No, and then what was worse is so he's in the pipe, and at first I was like, what is he going into? What is that thing? And then I realized it was a pipe, and I was like, oh, my God, it's my nightmare. And then he said he had to crawl through it for 40 minutes to get to the place he needed to go to. I don't even have a a reaction to that because that's, like, so insane. I mean, it's a good thing... I presume he doesn't have emotions, so he does not feel fear, but... Right, and he's also, like, you know, that would actually, like, hurt after a while, too. Yes. Like, your shoulders, your elbows, like, everything is, like... Yeah, because it was, like, super tiny, and you're like... "Eh, eh, eh." You would have to be, like, 
inching with your elbow. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's I why I guess it took 40 minutes. Um, I mean. Yeah, so he's going, his mission is to basically go do what he can to manually shut down the reactor as well as call the shuttle to save them. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Ripley and Hicks make a death pact, basically saying that if either of them get um, implanted with an alien, they'll kill the other one. Um, okay. And Ripley has also said to Paul Reiser, like, this plan of yours to try and bring samples back is fucked because you'll never get it through quarantine back to Earth. Like, there's this very intense mm. quarantine. You'll never get it back. And so she, she assumes the matter is closed. However, yep. when she never and Newt... Is. I know. When she and Newt fall asleep in the med lab, um, she wakes up and those two face huggers that had been in the goo have been freed. They've been freed. And what we learn after those have been neutralized is that Burke did that on purpose. So Paul Reiser did that on purpose. He saw them both asleep in there. And there were two face huggers and there were two of them. And she was like, what you planned to do was that those facehuggers were going to implant in us. And then, because it takes a while, so they could have been walking around as normal for a while. Yeah. And then they could have gotten through quarantine. And then when, when the facehuggers emerge, then they would have, they would have been like suitcases for them, basically. Yikes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's yeah. gross. So Paul Reiser is really shitty in this <laughs> movie. Yeah. He's like really, really shitty. Um, so finally, yeah, okay. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So now I think we're basically to the third act of the movie where the xenomorphs are kind of crawling all over the station. They attack from above. Um, Paul Reiser uh, abandons everyone to try and barricade himself in a different part of the colony, but as he deserves, he ends up getting killed anyway for his trouble. Mm. Um, This is when Bill Paxton finally gets it. He gets attacked from below, and it's a very good scene where he's being attacked, and I, I do love this in kind of any horror movie where, like, you're watching the top half of someone be like, ah, 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 no, no, no. And they're being pulled down by something. Um, yeah. So that's happening. Classic. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, we are down to, like, kind of the last, I guess, five or six people. Newt takes them into the air ducts. And the mm-hmm. point of this is to try and get to the landing pad where Bishop is going to have the shuttle come. So they have to get there to escape. Um, they have 16 minutes to do so, Bishop tells them. Um, this is when Vasquez, who's one of the last remaining people alive, she's covering them from the back in these air ducts because there's a xenomorph attacking them from behind. Um, she and the lieutenant eventually blow themselves up in an effort to protect the remaining group of people. Um, But in this melee, Newt ends up sliding back down a different air duct 
And Ripley is like, we're not, I'm not leaving without her, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, this is a scene you referenced earlier. Newt ends up under the floor in the colony and in a bunch of water. Um, so I don't know if she's in a sewer or what is going on there or why that water is there. Um, but basically, and again, this is where it's hard to tell if xenomorphs have intelligence or if this is all instinctual, but the xenomorphs come to take her, but they do not come to kill her. Newt, I mean, when she's down in this water. Um, because the, like, Hicks and, uh, Ripley can see this all happening because, like, it's those, like, the floor is like those grates, so they can look down and see that what's going on, but they can't get to her fast enough to save her. And so they see the xenomorphs coming on the, like, motion sensor thing, um, and then they disappear. So they assume that they've, well, Hicks kind of assumes she's dead, but his girlfriend Ripley is like, she's not dead. And he's like, okay, sweetie, she's not dead. All right, let's go get her. Um, (laughs) But... uh, yeah, they. it turns out Newt is actually alive. Like, they've taken her back to their nest. Um, meanwhile, Bishop, who is on the surface getting into the shuttle, preparing to fly them all away, says that they have 26 minutes before the plant will blow up, so before the reactor will go critical. Um Ripley is like, I'm going back for Newt, but I'll be there. You know, don't leave without us. Um, Ripley now is told when she actually gets back into the processing plant, because that's where she's like determined Newt is for some reason. I guess she assumes that they took her back to the nest. Um, When she gets there, uh, the, the voice, the calming voice that's like, an emergency will happen. In 15 minutes, you know, like, and that's what she has. She has 15 minutes to get out of range of the blast. Now, I did, out of curiosity, write this down. When they tell her she has 15 minutes, there's still 27 minutes of movie left. This movie is long as shit. It is very long, but I was kind of, I was like, I would have been, I would have enjoyed, let's say, if they gave us this 15-minute warning and then it had been done in real-time 15 minutes, not not just because it would have shaved 12 minutes off the movie, but, like, I just... I, I like that sometimes when movies then are, like, and now we're in real-time. Like, we're going to do it in real-time. What can we do in 15 minutes, you know? Um, that is not how they played it here. Um, Ripley manages to find Newt down in the nest... But then she also realizes that this nest is a lot larger than she had understood. And um, this is when we see what I've called in the outline giant mom alien. Um, (laughs) She comes out to play. And I also put in my handwritten notes after she's revealed in all capital letters, alien wet mouth. Oh, always with that. Your favorite that. thing to think a- about. A- alien wet mouth with nasty, gnarly teeth. 
I know. And I did like, though, of the teeth that they were clear. There was something about that that I thought was, like, mm. just kind of, like, cool and interesting. I'm like, ooh, clear teeth. Cool. Ew. Can you imagine humans with clear teeth? That no, I don't want to. I don't want to for us. I like it. That's what I mean is, like, I like those kinds of touches that um, seem so small, but then it's like, oh, that's really alien. That's so weird, like clear teeth. Because you're like, why couldn't it be clear? Like, who cares? But um, yeah, I really quite liked that a lot. So unsurprisingly, GMA, giant mom alien, um, is really pissed off because, and you see like in the reveal, the shot of this is like, she's, she's way bigger than any of the other xenomorphs we've ever seen Mm -hmm. by like a significant margin. And she's actively laying eggs. So there's like this long, so gross, like it's not a tail exactly, but it's like this long abdominal part of her where you can actually see it's kind of translucent and you can see the eggs all in there and stuff. So it's like alien wet mouth, alien goo, lots of goop, all that. Um, Ripley then uses her flamethrower on some of the eggs. Mm -hmm. And again, maybe GMA has some intelligence Cause, she, cause <laughs> she is she like the two of them like look at each other, and she kind of like bats away the xenomorph that's come to try and protect the eggs. She's like, go away, and it's like, okay, if you're gonna you're gonna I get it, you're gonna keep messing up my kid eggs <laughs> unless I let you go. So, yeah. okay, we I will let you leave this room, and my kid eggs will survive intact. Um, Mm -hmm. meanwhile, so Ripley and Newt manage to get away. They get up to the landing platform where there's, where Bishop is supposed to be. Um, but he is not there. Uh, and the entire processing plant is starting to blow up because the reactor is melting down. Um, but this was a good one as well. So GMA she is a certain level of smart because she figures out how to take the elevator as well. Um, <laughs> and so she ends up walking out kind of onto the landing pad just as Bishop comes to save uh, Newt and Ripley. So mm-hmm. they fly away. There's big explosion. Um, and as the viewer, we're like, I guess everything's fine. And we get back up to the big ship, the Sulaco. Things seem to be fine. Hicks is currently, like, under anesthesia, but he's seemingly survived. But then, oh, no. The GMA was hanging on to the shuttle as it flew away. And I think we know this from other alien, like, maybe Alien vs. Predator, the Amazingly, the aliens can exist in space. Like, so whereas for us, we definitely die. (laughs) They can seem to survive some amount of time in space. So she latches on to the shuttle, comes up into the big ship with them. And 
The way we get this reveal is she, not only is she, as she's coming out into the light, she grabs Bishop and rips him in half with then a corresponding spurt of like milk blood. I hate it. Milky glue blood, I guess I would say. I hated it. Um, And then when they showed the shot of his top half at one point. I hated it. There were like weird (laughs) like. There were like there was like like phone cords coming out. Yeah, they were like spaghetti um, looking phone cords and stuff. Yeah, like, it was happening? very weird. Um, so this is the final standoff between Ripley and the GMA. Um, Ripley eventually gets into the big mech loader that we've seen her operate earlier in the movie to fight this giant alien woman or alien. Mm-hmm. Mom, I guess. Um, and Ripley, I, I don't know when the get away from her, you bitch happens, but this is somewhere along the line that happens. Um, and Ripley eventually opens the airlock and drops or drop opens the side one part of the airlock to drop the GMA into it. But because they're fighting, the GMA pulls her down, too. And now they're both hanging out at the bottom of the airlock. Uh, Ripley gets out of the loader that she's in. She unclips. And she opens the bottom of the airlock, which then the entire ship, like the cargo bay with Newt and half of Bishop in it, is going nuts. Everything is being blown out into space. Um, And finally... After, of course, we've seen this a lot lately with the movies we've been watching, the GMA does reach for Ripley's ankle to try and pull her down again. Eventually, though, the GMA is blown out, the airlock is closed, and everything is fine now. And the four remaining survivors, Bishop, Hicks, Ripley, and Newt, go into hypersleep. And I guess hopefully are, are heading back to Earth. And, and we don't do this again. Hopefully let's not do this again, people. <laughs> but I know you did it again because there's an Alien 3, you stupid idiots. It's true. Mistakes were made, Amy. What more can I say? Mistakes <laughs> were made. Now, I think that though this is now almost two hours, this was one of the most efficient efforts at talking about a movie we've ever done. Yeah. Let's so let's keep on killing it. Yeah. So always let's wrap things up with yawns and eye rolls. Um, yawns are one yawn is um, cinematic masterpiece. Totally engaged. Um, and ten yawns is like this is a complete trash fire. Uh, no hmm. good. What would you give it? Oof. It's not for me. I'll start by saying that. Um, so that's it's tough because it actually did look like a trash fire watching it. But yeah, there w- um, there was a lot of fire actually and trash in this movie. Yeah, so though that's a tough not necessarily always say at the fire. same. Not at the same yeah. time always, but yeah, not for me. I guess like I, I guess I'll do five to be a little okay. bit nice. I could go higher, but I'll say five because it's not like a bad movie. I just, it's not for me. Yeah. I'm going to give it a two 
Mm-hmm. And that's mainly just to speak to the length. I think we could have gotten yes. there faster. Um, yes. That being said, otherwise I quite liked this one and it kept me involved. Um, okay. In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is I bought into this world. Mm-hmm. And 10 eye rolls is like, I don't even know what I was seeing. Hmm. What would you give it? Well, I did know what I was seeing because I've seen it before. It's called Alien One. But like great. great. <laughs> so buy into the world. I mean, it's a believable world in that the men are dumb and they don't listen to women. <laughs> they still so don't believable. listen to women. Money is the only object that makes anyone do anything. Yeah, it's quite a believable world. I mean, I think the world building is good. Even though it's not for me, the world building is fine. So I'll say like three on world building. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. I rolls. Yeah, I agree with that. I would I maybe for world building I'd even go down to a one because I don't really oh, have wow, okay. any notes on you this. Have no notes. I, okay. Not really because like there's literally an Android that gets like cut in half into milk and you have no correct. notes. <laughs> okay. Well well wait. I won't say I have no notes. I I have no questions deriving sure, okay. from that specifically. Okay. Like I, I might have rendered the Android differently. <laughs> I might have liked something to look different, but that's not sure. the same as being like, sure. does this all hang together? Is there a logic? Does it all yeah. function in a yeah. way? Um, and in a sense, I think that this is one of the better ones we've ever seen for that does it all hang together aspect okay in part because of what we always say which is like it keeps it simple we don't really we don't even precisely know what year it is um yeah like we're but mostly that's what hanging doesn't out get in the way yeah we're mostly hanging out yeah. in one place the technology mm-hmm. is not so of ahead of its time that it's incomprehensible and the story is simple like, like yeah you know i think what we've said before is like when you've already got a world full of aliens, you don't that can need to be make the, the only story thing. crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's and I mean, the I know thing. I, I know I said the thing about like it's the exact same story as the first one and stuff, but I do think I'll go back on what I said a bit and say I think maybe it does need that simplicity. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah, it the the alien part of it is the interesting part. So just. Right do that stick to that like yeah and then no more no um yeah so finally did you like this and would you recommend it i mean like no i didn't (laughs) um and would i recommend it um also probably no but because it's like highly regarded I guess like I wouldn't be embarrassed to recommend it but I would just be like it's a hard recommend for me because it's just like not for me (laughs) yeah but but I can appreciate it's not embarrassing to recommend I'll say (laughs) yeah and probably most people have seen it so I don't know yeah I mean I would say I liked it and I would recommend it in fact it kind of like reinvigorated my interest in this franchise and I was just looking up wow. Alien 3 is even done by a different director and has different mm. writers don't make me watch so, that I don't need to see it 
I mean, we may do at some point, but it won't be for oh, a while God. now. I, I can't okay. promise it, Amy, but I can say it won't be for a while. I can promise okay. that. Um, but, but I guess what I'm saying is like I do um, – yeah, this was just like a fun one for me kind of. It was a bit long, mm-hmm. but it was also yeah. easy to find. Like, you know, all the yeah. things that often make me hesitant about a recommend are not really yeah. happening here. So I'm like, yep, I liked it. I would recommend it if you've not seen it. Um, and it does seem to me like it would be a really good, and I know I sometimes say this cause it's for napping and this isn't what I'm saying for this. I think it would be a good like afternoon weekend movie, like where you're like, I got a couple yeah, hours, enough. I'm just going to hang out, watch something kind of fun. And the beauty of it is, is because it's like this mix of action and kind of simple, simple storytelling, story. yeah. you don't have to super pay attention. Like you can put it on and yeah. like, if you want to make some lunch and you know like whatever totally it's like very chill and that I always appreciate about something as well yes um so overall I say yay you say maybe um right which is fine I think that's a good outcome for us considering (laughs) the length of this film so uh thank you everyone thank you Amy I am Sarah and we will see you next week in space Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.